Hello, this is John Huary, and welcome to another episode of Community Intelligence, where we explore how leaders engage and build community. In this episode, I spoke with Rory O'Malley, Tony-nominated actor from the Book of Mormon, King George of Hamilton, and founder of both Broadway Impact and Belt the Vote. When not on the stage or in front of the camera, Rory has been activating the American theater community on important issues such as gay rights and civic engagement for the last decade. I met Rory in his Los Angeles home to learn about how he one day decided to take action on an issue he cared about and how that led him to lead communities across the nation. We're here in Culver City, California, uh, and but you're not from Southern California. No, I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio. Cleveland, Ohio. You've had a career that's taken you to Southern California, to New York, and I've seen the work you're doing, and I don't often get to sit down with a Tony-nominated actor, but we're not going to talk so much about your method, creating my acting, character. My yeah, my creative. Your creative process. That's good. I don't really have much of a method, so. Good. And I wouldn't know what you're talking about if you talked about it. What I do want to talk about is your work with community. And I think it was probably I started noticing it because uh, we're Facebook friends on social media probably, what, seven or eight years ago now? Sure, sure. So tell me. I mean, the question is, how did you begin on this path? You're an actor, right? Yeah. You're a good actor. How did you get into the world of, I'm going to work with community? Well, it's interesting because I didn't see it as being um, the path of what I was going to be doing, but it very quickly became the most important work of my life as being a, what my husband has coined an activist, an actor activist, the okay. activist. And there's your title. There you go. Yeah, that, yeah that, that's probably better for the business card. Um, so I... What, what happened was is that when you're an actor and you have a passion, you can throw yourself into it 100% and you still can only work maybe one month out of the year. Like it's one of those jobs where even if you're passionate and you work very hard, you're not always given the opportunity to do what you love. So I was working very hard in restaurants and temp jobs and I really wanted to find ways to make myself uh, useful when I wasn't on a stage, when I wasn't in front of a camera. And uh, I think it was back in 2008, I had read um, Barack Obama's The Audacity of Hope. This, this is maybe 2007, because it was before the election. And not to get too political, it's okay. Uh, but it, it changed my perspective on what was possible. He was a community organizer, and I felt very strongly that I was the one I was waiting for. You know, he used that quote that we are the ones we've been waiting for, and that really resonated with me. You know, I, I want to have all this change for marriage equality and in the gay community, and, and I'm waiting around for somebody else to show me what to do. I'm waiting around, and I have all this time, and I'm yelling at cable news, and I'm, you know, on social media, but I'm not taking that action. I'm the one that I'm waiting for. I have to do something. So his his campaign was much more than just a presidential campaign for me. It was a call to action. And so I went home to Cleveland, Ohio, where I grew up in a very important state, and just started volunteering for his campaign. And so I learned how to knock on doors and have conversations with people about issues. I learned how to run a phone bank. I learned how to... Uh, drive a car in the the 
then before he was the vice president and Joe Biden's uh, motorcade. Wow. <laughs> like, you know, like I was doing all these things that I was like, wow, you know, I'm just showing up at their door and being put in charge <laughs> of things. And, and just for context, how old are you at this point? Is uh, I was I was 27, 26, 27. And is this your first foray into politics and oh, community? Oh, yeah, for sure. So yeah. you weren't you weren't like a student activist or a, no. or a student body president or... No, I would say that I uh, was so solely focused on my art and on acting that it was there was no room for anything else. And at that point in my mid-20s, I realized that I wasn't going to have all of my satisfaction in life just from acting and that I needed to expand my horizons and, and I needed to be passionate about something else. And I realized that activism and specifically for gay rights were so important and there was like that moment you know especially in the gay community there have been different moments where we've really had to step up to fight for something in the 60s uh, it, it was stonewall and uh, the stonewall riots and fighting just to be in a bar just to gather as a group and to hold ha hold each other's hands in the 80s it was the aids crisis and being able to live being able to survive a plague and my generation was very clear our leg of the race was going to be to be able to marry each other to be able to make a commitment and i thought if i don't do everything i can in this moment how will i i knew it was going to happen how will i ever look at my one day husband or one day child in the eye and say well, I didn't do anything. It just kind of was given to me. So it was very important to me to hear that call and to do what I could, not just because I needed something to do, but because I wanted to be able to tell my grandkids. I didn't just sit sit back and, and watch this, this change happen. So you go to back to Cleveland, back to yeah. Ohio. You help the president win his election. Yeah, and it was, it was one of the most... Uh, exciting experiences of my life it changed it, it taught me so much you know and i was you know just volunteering living at my mom's house and driving to to one of their campaign uh, headquarters <clears throat> on the west side of cleveland and i remember like knocking on doors on uh, election day to make sure that everyone had voted in those houses and i found a young man who uh had been to prison and he had never voted but he knew he was registered, and he but he was scared because he didn't know where to go. And I was like, "You can do it. You <laughs> have to do it. This is the most important day." And you know, I got him on a bus to tell show, show him where to go for to to get to um, to get to his precinct to, to vote. And I'll never forget that. You know, like it was one vote, but it meant so much more. You know, and that that he needed some help to feel confident to vote because he could he could vote right. he had his rights back after he got out of, of prison and um, you know that kind of just changes your DNA when you go through something like that when you feel empowered to have that conversation with the community and on election night we were so happy about the results but on this it was the same night back in California prop 8 was passed and gave people who were allowed to get married because of uh, the Supreme Court making a decision, they were had that right taken away by voters. And it was shocking to the entire gay community, not just California, because I think that 
everyone thought, well, if it can happen, it could be, if it can be taken away in California, what what hope does Ohio have? Right. And so, it was shocking. It was sad. It left this group of of gay people who were married in limbo. Like, what does it mean for them? So I kind of felt on that night a lot of 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 triumph and joy and accomplishment. But I thought, oh my God, did I go to the wrong place? Should I have been knocking on doors in California and and I went back to New York City where I was living and, and working in the theater community and went to rallies about Prop 8 and saw many familiar faces from the theater community and people who were, you know, of course the theater community is, is has a lot of gay people in it and everyone else certainly knows gay people and, and wants to support them. So we were showing up to those rallies, we were showing up to those meetings at the LGBT Center, what can we do? And I started talking with my um, friend Jenny Canellos and uh, Gavin Creel, who's a, a Broadway actor, and we wanted to really get the Broadway community involved with the fight for marriage equality in New York and nationwide. So we went to HRC, we went to the different gay organizations that were doing stuff on the ground all across the country and said, hey, we're here representing the theater community, what can we do? And they said, just uh, write letters, make phone calls. And the stuff that I knew, right. I knew was effective. But I said, oh, no, you don't know what I'm saying. Like, the theater community wants to do something on this issue. And if you look at Broadway Cares, Equity Fights AIDS, or other things that they've accomplished, the money that they've raised, the, the community there. I think, right. you know, I love that you're talking about community because that is what, Broadway and the theater community is it's a, a group of people who who take care of each other who uh, You know, I, I being out in Los Angeles now It's something that I kind of miss because When you are doing TV or film You don't necessarily know all the other TV or film productions going on when you're on Broadway You know who's cast and what you know what theater they're at, you know what crews on it It's a very tight-knit family even and so when they have made a decision to be effective on an issue or uh, some charity event or if there's a natural disaster that needs to have money raised for it, they will raise a million dollars in one night and, and figure out a way to come together. And that's why they were so effective around the AIDS crisis. Um, so, And let me pause there. Yeah. So this community that is known by those of us who look at communities, and yes, you've, you've defined it well. They previously had organizations that they were rallying around. Broadway Cares, mm -hmm. well-known, long-standing. Um, was there, uh, besides that, were there other sort of formal engagements, or is a lot of this community building ad hoc, would you say? I would say it's, it's, it's funny, because Broadway Cares was one thing and equity fights aids was another there were all these different groups and then they they came together and um there's the actors fund mm -hmm. which you know is supporting actors who and in the ups and downs of their financial stress and and there are tons of different organization broadway barks you know bernadette peters saving dogs from from shelters and and um, there are different organizations like the Broadway Green Alliance that's doing stuff for envi environmental purposes and trying to make sure that our theaters and our community is as green as possible. Um, they are very organized. But what I would say is 
the mothership is Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS. So to get into the weeds of it, our nonprofit status for Broadway Impact, which I'm getting into is, is what the organization that we eventually created, was through Broadway Cares. And many of those organizations that I just listed off, they are all having nonprofit status through Broadway Cares. Got it. So it, it's definitely the spirit is independent and it's people like me saying like something needs to be done about this issue or that issue. But so many times... Tom Viola and Broadway Cares are the, the first person you go to to say, we need to do something about this. So there, there's sort of this infrastructure there to allow that community to address or attack the issues they need to deal with yes. um, without having to go through the process of like, well, where do we start? Yes. So that was our, after we went to these gay organizations, we went to Tom Viola and said, hey, we need to do something. What, what sh- what's our first step? You know, And he said, we are going to help you in any way we can you know i think it was literally just we can get you know print you out flyers or whatever you need stationary wise you know to 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 get the word out at stage doors and make sure that everyone's on the same page and we started a letter writing campaign and at that time there was actually something called um join the impact which was basically a, a facebook group that was trying to get protests and and rallies to be done all across the country and so we said, well, we'll be Broadway impact that will have some kind of effect in, in the Broadway community. So that's where that came from. And we started a letter writing campaign with different Broadway shows to write to our New York State representatives. Got it. And so we would go backstage in between shows, tell the cast what we were trying to do, videotape them writing letters. And for us, there are two parts of our community. There's the actors and people working on Broadway and then there are the fans and you know it's not that everyone in the world knows who those actors are not everybody I would say not everybody knows who Gavin Creel is but the people who do will follow Gavin to the ends of the earth they love Broadway I am a Broadway fan first and foremost and I'll do whatever Bernadette Peters tells me to do. (laughs) And we knew the power of that, you know, that there is a community out there that will pay attention to to, um, Broadway stars. And so if we tell them, hey, this is what we have to do right now. We have to stand up and fight for marriage equality. That that we had a whole um, army and community of regional theaters across the country and fans of theater that would stand up and, and make their voices heard. So we started to do that, and we became Broadway Impact. We ended up... Uh, and what year is this now? Are we still 2008, this, 2009? This is 2009. Okay. Because it was basically the election of 2008, November 4th, 2008, that, that Prop 8 was passed, and, um, and that we went into... I remember the inauguration on January 20th, 2009, I was with Gavin and Jenny, and we went and did a little retreat of like, what can we do to really spark this um, activism in our community? And I remember we kept taking breaks to watch <laughs> Obama's speech, you know? And man, I was young then. You know, like I keep thinking, you know, like it, what, what, a, what a blessing your 20s are because you have all of that hope <laughs> and you don't have any of the uh, knowledge of how difficult it's going to be to make those things happen. Now, let me just push back a second. That's a decade ago, approximately. Yes, it is. 
and now you've had the experience, you mm. know how difficult things are. Yeah. Does it change the, the worthwhileness of doing it now when you're not as young? No. No, it doesn't change the worthwhileness. It's, it's, what it changes is I don't waste any time in getting bogged down in the things that aren't going to be effective, right. in the things that made me worried, and I have less fear and anxiety about trying to move forward without knowing what you're doing, right. which is so hard. And you realize that's kind of a trick for every part of life. Just keep going. Nobody knows what they're doing. We're figuring it out as we go. Absolutely. And and I think that a lot of times people think, well, I can't do that because I don't know how to do it. Clearly, the person who did it, they know exactly what they're doing. No, they just aren't afraid to keep going even though they don't know. Right. You can't know how to do something until you've done it. And I think that you know we spend a lot of time trying to figure out how to motivate the Broadway community without having any knowledge of, of community organizing, other than you know working on a campaign. But this is very different. It's not getting someone elected. It's truly trying to speak to your representatives and make uh, legislation get passed or um, make some be, work on an issue. It's very different. So we did a letter writing campaign. We had a rally in Times Square. We invited the cast of Hair. We invited Cynthia Nixon. Cynthia Nixon actually announced at our rally that she was going to get married to her girlfriend at the time. She, she was, you know, she's an amazing actor and also has been, she's definitely much more of an activist <laughs> than I am. She ran for governor and she knew how to use that moment to get people to pay attention. And, you know, it kind of like, it gave us so much her just showing up and also announcing that there. But her showing up, the cast of hair, Audra McDonald, Cheyenne Jackson, so many different people from the Broadway community came to perform. So there were thousands of people who just wanted to see the performance. They might be you know, interested in the issue and supportive, but they wouldn't show up for a rally if they weren't he hearing the cast of hair sing. They show up and all of a sudden, we got a call from Mayor Bloomberg's office asking if he could speak at the rally. Wow. And I mean, we're just, 20 year olds in yeah. our apartments in New York. And this is the mayor, mayor of the largest city in America. Exactly. Asking permission to speak at our rally. And, you know, he was a registered independent at, at the time. And, and, you know, he was, it was a very big deal, obviously, for many reasons. And then um, we got a call from the governor's office asking if the governor could come in and, wow. and speak. And so it just turned into this big thing. And all of a sudden, all those organizations that we had reached out to to say like they were asking if they could speak you know they were calling and us. this is this your first sort of public oh, yeah. thing that you're doing mm -hmm. how long had been working on the letter writing and sort of like formulating this idea it was May it was May so just a couple months yeah yeah no we were in way over our heads <laughs> but the reason it happened is because we went to Broadway cares and there was going to be an anti-gay rally in New York on, on, a, on a day like we found out about it, it was 10 days out and um, we went to Tom Viola and Broadway Cares and we said, this anti-gay rally is happening. We have to do something positive in response. And Tom and Broadway Cares said, we'll help you put on a counter rally, uh, something positive. And we put it together in 10 days. We did not sleep for 10 days. I'm sure. It was insane. The permits alone 
oh, we were in meetings with the NYPD. <laughs> you know, I was way over yeah. my head. Yeah. You know, and it was it was so scary, but so important. And it really kind of lit the fire of of how the Broadway community was going to respond to this in New York City. Especially. Earlier, you had mentioned that you're not, you know, as a working actor, you might work a month out of the year. Sure. At this point, were you working full time on this effort, or are you actually also working as well? I mean, you got to sustain yourself. Yes, you do. Um, no, I wasn't. I was. Re- I'll tell you that it. I think I had been working um, right before the holidays that year, and then I was doing workshops. I was doing readings, which are just you know closed readings of of scripts of a little musical called The Book of Mormon. Just a little, At that time, a little thing, little show. Yeah. That, you know, we didn't know where it would go, and um, I remember very clearly thinking, "Is this okay for me to spend all this time not getting paid, all this passion and effort being thrown into something, and if I have an acting job come up, I might have to turn down, or certainly I turned down auditions and opportunities, and I just knew that I would never." regret throwing myself into something like this and you know obviously you know skipping forward now I'm I'm married to a man and we have a child and you know 10 years later the the work that I did in that is the most important work in my life more important than anything I'll do as an actor because I get to be a father I get to be a husband because of that um so you know basically we 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 threw that rally we were riding high and uh, then we did a phone bank and the New York State Legislature didn't pass marriage equality. And it was terrible. It was like, oh, we came so close. Had the, had the legislature already been considering it when you started? Or did you know that was your goal when you started out that you wanted to New York State Legislature? Yeah, there was kind of like a, there was a state-by-state state approach okay. by all of the, all of the LGBT organiz- organizations at that time. It wasn't, you know, what ended up happening in terms of the Supreme Court, that wasn't really what there was. There needed to be these short-term successes right. in different states. So our focus at first was let's see what's happening in New York. Right. And because we had a, a, um, a governor who was supportive, who wanted to introduce legislation and would, would sign it, what we needed was a, a state Senate that would do it. But it was in, in Republican hands. It was kind of close though, so we were we had a phone bank, and we were just calling, having Broadway uh, actors. We would be like, "Come to our phone bank tonight. Uh, it'll be the cast of Spelling Bee. We'll be here making wow. phone calls." And we would all have all these people who'd never been to a phone bank in their life show up because they wanted to meet the, the cast, cast members. Yeah. You know, which that's it's important to know what will make your community show up. Certainly all of the people who showed up were passionate about the issue, but everyone is so afraid to have a conversation with another human being about (laughs) an issue. And if you show them someone doing it who they respect in their community, they're a lot more inclined to do it. And I realized what I learned from the Barack Obama campaign was that there were nurses for Obama, there were teachers for Obama, and there were these people who would knock on doors as a group from work as with their friends and I realized that engaging with a community of saying like no this is what we're doing right now you know don't worry about the the bigger picture this is 
your group of friends, your coworkers, your your small community, we're doing something for a larger purpose, but it's still just your friends, you right. know, and it's your community making you're you're speaking with your group. You should feel welcomed here. You're making it bite sized. Yes. It's like and it's about you. Yes. And that I realized was what we needed to do with the marriage equality fight is is make it about theater and know the theater community is not going to be responsible for for marriage equality but we're going to play our part we're going to <clears throat> do what we need to do to have the to effect change on on our scale at least and you know of course broadway star showed up and we were disappointed when it didn't pass in new york it really never got up for a vote and you know i mean the politics in new york in in albany is it's crazy. Right. It's crazy. I think people went to jail. Like, you know, it was like, okay, you know, maybe we need to have some more elections. And, you know, like, it was it was a lot of crazy stuff going on. Um, but we learned a lot. And we said, well, how can we affect change in our community on a broader scale throughout the entire country? So we started putting together pamphlets and uh, uh, sending out ways to write letters. But, you know, we... We weren't getting paid. We weren't an organization that could research every single state legislature right. and, and try to figure that out. So it was very generic, and it didn't feel like... Our, our biggest problem was always, what's the action? Right. Of course people care. What do they do about it? And we couldn't come up with a good action. So I started watching TED Talks as I, you know, looking for inspiration, and I watched Eve Ensler do a TED talk and it was about the vagina monologues which which she put together and produced and she did them on her own and then celebrities started doing them for charity events and they would raise a lot of money for women's issues uh, reproductive rights and, and domestic violence and then they started doing them on colleges all across the country I mean I remember seeing it I in remember, my college I remember too yeah so it was like this movement of doing the vagina monologues and raising money and awareness and it was a light bulb moment, if I've ever had one, where I thought, oh my God, we need a script. That's what we need. You don't have to explain what to do with a script when you give a, a theater all across the country a script. Right. They know exactly what to do. Put it on. Put on a show. Yeah. So I was like, well, what's our script? And at the same time, Prop 8 was in the courts because they were trying to overturn it. There was an organization called the American Foundation of Equal Rights. And they put to money together. Chad Griffin um, is the head of it, was the head of it, and who is now the head of HRC. And they funded it so that Ted Olson, a big-time Republican, and David Boyce, who was a big-time Democrat, they actually went against each other in, in Bush versus Gore. They were the two lawyers who fought against each other. Um, and they were coming together to fight Prop 8. It was a good story, you know, it was, it was also it was like you can have an argument, but sometimes it's who's giving the argument. And to have Ted Olson really be the voice, the conservative fight for marriage equality is what, you know, I think the time, the cover of Time said, you know. And I was so intrigued with what, how they were fighting for marriage equality. And then they were in the courts in San Francisco and they... The, the video and the cameras were not allowed in the courtroom. And the gay community were all outraged because it was the most important right. court case of the gay community ever, probably. 
So the transcripts were being released. And I said, well, let's put these transcripts on a stage. So we, you know, connected with the, the foundation and pitched them this idea of doing something like the vagina monologues did, that we could put it on a stage with big celebrities and then inspire theaters across the country to do it as well. And now this is all, ha I mean, I remember this point in history, yeah. right? It's all happening pretty quickly. Very quickly. So how, what is the, the conception to, you know, you get the light bulb moment, this is happening, you see it. Are we talking months before they, get, they say, let's do it? Or are you talking like a couple weeks, we're going to start working on it? It was probably like uh, weeks or months before they said, let's do it. Okay. It was probably a year before okay. it was actually up on stage. Okay. Because any, any artistic endeavor takes forever. You want it to happen tomorrow, but it's going to take it. a long time. Uh, but it, it kind of needed to because the story hadn't even, when we approached them, they haven't they didn't have final arguments yet oh. for the case. I mean we, it was still in in the court. And I and and Jenny, uh, my who, who I worked with and Ben Peltison who we who uh, also worked on it with us, um, we flew to San Francisco because we knew we had to be there. We still hadn't really, ironed out any kind of agreement or like what we were going to do. We got to the, uh, to the federal courthouse at 4 a.m. And we were one of maybe, we were three of maybe a dozen people who were allowed into the courtroom for the final arguments wow. by Ted, Ted Olson to the federal court. And it was one of the most important days of my life because I really, you were, I, I, you were listening to Ted Olson make the case for marriage equality. And of course I believe in it already, but I started to understand why it was constitutional, you know, why it was why it was important, and uh, so we left that courthouse, and I was like more determined than ever to get this on a stage, and knew that they were going to have a journey to the Supreme Court. So this wasn't this was just the beginning. So one of their board members was Dustin Lance Black, who won the Oscar for Milk. We ended up having a meeting with him, and he said, "Hey, what if?" I write the script and edit together the transcripts and I fell out of my chair I was like uh, yeah that that would be pretty effective so we started working with him and he has a very busy schedule and so we probably worked for another six months on script and where we were gonna produce it we ended up producing it on the stage where the Book of Mormon is, where I was still, per where I was performing in the Book of Mormon. So by this point now, you've landed a, a pretty a bra good a big Broadway show. show. Yeah, I had lost a Tony by that point. Like it was, I had already been like it, it was. It has gone. It went from being this thing that I was doing because I, I also had the time because I wasn't working as an actor to being in a Broadway show, a hit Broadway show, and having a platform, which is what eight times a week. Yeah. So you're don't have much time no no it was I didn't have a lot of time and at that point we realized that you know we were going to be doing this once they signed on and said you know we, we want we see your vision and we think that it's worthwhile for us um, Jenny Canellos who had been you know we, we'd all been working for free she uh, was made was made into a salaried employee but we was all under the uh, Broadway Cares umbrella. So we had an office in Broadway Cares and we had an actual organization. From inception in January 2009 to this point, we're talking. It had to have been 
2010 is when we were in San Francisco and um, and the end of 2010 is when we really were like locked in with with the foundation we were gonna do it and we had a script and 2011 was is when they produced the show so in two years you went from uh, community volunteer yeah. in Ohio yeah to inspired activist mm-hmm to leading rallies, to doing things you never thought you would do out of your comfort zone, to produce, to nominating and, and losing You're right. the Tony, Absolutely. as you mentioned, yeah. to now staging uh, eight, what became eight, yeah. correct? Right. And yeah. so what happens? You, you stage this, and what's the, what's the way the community responds? Well, it was, it was incredible. I mean, not only did it raise a lot of money, but it, you know, we had on stage with us Morgan Freeman, Jonathan Lithgow, um, and just an incredible cast of actors so it got a lot of of press and people were talking about it and it was just it was a very compelling piece of theater because it was real it was transcripts it was still happening so we had a great night and then we thought we have to do it in los angeles as well obviously it's a story about prop 8 in california and we had two actors sign on that really got everyone's attention george clooney and brad pitt and some little known as yes actors, right? exactly and so we produced it in california and had a big fundraiser with those two and many many other wonderful actors including martin sheen who played the ted olson part and he was phenomenal and um i got to be in it as well i played one of the witnesses and basically just stared at the judge played by brad pitt the whole time <laughs> um but you know we we did that and google was so intrigued by what we were going to do that they asked if they could make a donation to the nonprofit and if they could stream it live. Wow. So they streamed it live when it's, it's still on YouTube now on YouTube. And that was something that was watched by theaters all across the country. And by the end of that night, the next day, we had hundreds of submissions to put on a reading of, of wow. eight, the play, as it ended up being called, in their community. So over the next two years after that, we were able to produce Eight the Play in over 500 theaters all across the country in all 50 states. And it was translated into different languages and really became this huge success. Um, and what we would do is target and talk to states that were either voting on it or that were having some kind of conversation and put it on there and then have local leaders from a, a gay organization come and do the talk back afterwards. Have the conversation, why it's important to fight for marriage equality, and then cast that net of people in your community who would stay afterwards to find out what they can do about it. So not only was it creatively interesting and artistically incredible, as you described, but you're using it as a tool. It is, it is one of many tools that I've heard you talk about that you've developed as a way to activate and engage a community that was already a community of some sort, but now moving them in the direction you needed to move them. Yeah. And so how long, that, I mean, and, and we know this about tools, they don't always last forever. What was the, the is that still being performed? The way that, I know Virginia Monologues is still being performed, right? Right, right. Is eight still being performed? Um, not that I know of. Okay. And, and, and it's okay. No, it is. Yeah. I mean, Broadway Impact doesn't exist, exist right now. You know, our goal wasn't to create a nonprofit that we would just have to find new issues for. That's smart. It was, 
this is our goal. We, we, we made a mission statement in the beginning was to, to fight for marriage equality. And a lot of times, of course, people wanted us to uh, fight for uh, trans rights and things that are very important to us, but we knew what we could handle. Right. We knew what was possible. And if we started to uh, like look away from this one goal... Mission creep. Yes. <laughs> That we would that we would get overwhelmed. Right. So when the Supreme Court, you know, overturned DOMA, when the Supreme Court said that, you know, marriage equality is the law of the land, we didn't say, well, what does Broadway Impact do now? We we said Broadway Impact has fulfilled its mission. That's that's an incredible statement for so many organizations that think their goal is to exist, not to serve their community's mission. Right. You're a mo- that's a model that, that more need to hear about that you can achieve your mission and be done. Right. Well, I think that I, I think that it's tough because I, I the blood, sweat, and tears. Absolutely. You know, like this is this is about as shiny of a and and squeaky clean of a version of talking about all this stuff because along that road, there are many times where I was like, this was the worst idea I've ever had. Why did I say like let's do a play? What you know, the amount of work that our 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 director Jenny Canellos poured into that project where we thought this is never going to happen you know for months at a time you know and and the 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 drama of it all I mean come on it's theater people and gays there's a lot of drama going on behind the scenes so it was it was very difficult to get it to where it was so I can see how people would say, I'm not just going to walk away from right. this now, all the contacts and all of the, the, the work that we've done, let's find something new. And we considered, should we turn this into something else? But we realized that it, it didn't have to, it was going to change completely, no matter what. And that's why we started, we did start something last year with, um, something called Belt the Vote. It was a social media campaign that um, my husband, Gerald Schroeder, and I started engaging with the Broadway community again to get them to do voter registration. And that was last year. What was the, you took a, you know, as your act, you'd always remain, once an activist, always an activist. So you ended Broadway Impact when? When did it say okay? You know, I would say that we really made, we really had the the talk with Broadway Cares and said, you know, we're not going to be asking for money anymore. That's kind of like, you know, it's not like, oh, let's shut down right. the, the office, but but it was. It was like, let's let's move on. And I would say that probably happened in 2015. Okay. And so here we are four years later. Yeah. Or I guess three years yeah. later. So you had a, a break there. And in that time, opportunity to recharge or just you were busy with other things and just did you have a, a calling to do more activism? I think that, you know, the... Because it's been... The last couple of years yeah. for some people has been challenging in Absolutely. terms of activism. Oh yeah, no, I, <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, well, well <clears throat> what, it, I wouldn't want to say that I was burnt out from my years of Broadway Impact, but I certainly couldn't walk into any kind of activism without knowing exactly what it was going to take from me. Right. What it was going, the, how difficult it was. Because it's really great when you start and you don't know, <laughs> you know, you can walk through any door if you don't know what's what the challenges are behind it. Uh, but I knew, and I could never unknow. So for for the, for those three years, you know, I I got married, which was you know what it was all about right. in the first place, 
and Gerald and I moved to Los Angeles, which I had spent time in and uh, before I lived in New York. And we wanted to start a family and really felt like Los Angeles would be a great place to, to do that. So I also kind of just needed to learn what the community was out here. And it's very different, like I said, from, from a Broadway community. Uh, it's, there are many more people and it's much more spread out, you know, just, just like the city of Los Angeles itself as opposed to New York. So um, we, we were go we, we've adopted our, our son and we were going to adopt the child uh, initially back in June of 2018. We had spent about six months talking to, to a birth mother and about a day before that child was born, she changed her mind oh. and decided to, to keep the child, which happens all the time and we knew. But of course, after six months of anticipating, yes. it was heartbreaking. And you know, every day we'd say, well, what are we gonna do today? We were gonna have a baby. <laughs> you know, if you clear your, your life for, for a child, every day when you don't have something to do, it's, it weighs pretty heavy on you. So we said, you know, the world looks like it's crumbling around us. Our, our plan crumbles around us. What can we do that's positive? And I, I felt very strongly that the Broadway community needed to have a voter registration drive and that we needed to make sure. I, I had so many conversations with people in the community who were not registered to vote. We did a voter registration drive when I was in Hamilton and Oh yeah, you did that. In that one too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it was it, it did it was very because I was doing Hamilton in 2016 on Broadway during the election. It really kind of it wasn't like I was doing Hello Dolly. Some days right. I wished I was because <laughs> the the election kept coming to us, right? No matter what. And if I were you uh, performing when they had the there was an incident during the performance, if I recall? There, there political, were... Political, well, political. I was performing when Mike Pence right. came, right after he won the election. And it, we, we always do a curtain speech at the end of the show to raise money for Broadway Cares at that time of year. So he just happened to come at that uh, time of year. And so in the speech, we also said, Mr. Vice President-elect, thank you so much for coming. Also, we hope that you heard the message of the show and that you represent every person of color and sexual orientation and you know it was a very nice message that apparently his boss did not like and we started getting tweeted at constantly so we you know it was kind of putting us in the epicenter at least for a period of time of the national conversation of the political conversation and you know of course i was I mean, I think I've made it clear who, you know, that, that I got inspired to get in politics and it wasn't because I wanted lower taxes. It was because I, I believe in, in social change, you know, and, and helping the communities that really desperately need it. And so it was not an election that I was excited about. And <laughs> let's just say that. And so I, I it, but, it, but it's more that, People were complacent, including me. I know, I know that I could have done more in 2016. And I maybe it's Catholic guilt, but it's guilt nonetheless. <laughs> I felt guilt for not doing enough. And after we uh, missed out on, on having that child in June of 2018, before the election, I thought, well, I'm not going to go through another election and feel like I didn't do anything. 
So we started reaching out to, of course, Broadway Cares, and I, we were able to do it from Los Angeles. We got the Broadway community involved, but then we got the Geffen Playhouse and, and regional theaters involved, and they were all willing to do voter registration drives in their lobby during shows. And that was the dream for me always, is not just to reach the Broadway houses, but to, to be in all across America, um, to be in my hometown of Cleveland. And how did you know that that was the mechanism you wanted to use? Did you talk to people to, to figure out, like, did, were they open to it? Like, what kind of research did you, because you could have chosen a couple ways to do this, right? You sure. could have just been, hey, we're just gonna do social media and spread the word. How did you get to the point where, well, we could do what you just described? Well, I, I think it really was just um, my trial and error of Broadway Impact. I knew I didn't have time to waste. So we're going to, what I did was, I, I said, we are going to hire a social media manager. We'll hire a publicist. We'll hire, um, we'll, we can't reinvent the wheel. We can't do this on our own. So we, uh, we, we partnered with an organization called When We All Vote that was actually started, it was a nonprofit, um, started by Michelle Obama and of, you know, a whole team in DC. And I said, we don't know how to register voters, but we know how to engage the theater community. Let's partner up and we will engage the theater community, which has theaters all across the country. And you tell us how to register to vote. And then I talked to Tom Viola, my, my buddy over at Broadway Cares, you know, my mentor and hero and all of this stuff. And they could not have been more supportive. And, you know, this... In this issue, voter registration is nonpartisan. It is something that can be done as a nonprofit. So it's it was just a no-brainer of how we can make quick, effective change in our community. And I I think we we went through different ways of of how to be most effective. And there are still things that I was like, oh man, we really thought we were going to be able to do A, but we did. Um, B and C and they were smaller but man I'm just so glad that we we did it you know um, and it you start to reach out and you realize that there was there was um, uh, someone who I have so much respect for in the Broadway community Kirsten Wyatt she's an actress and she was already trying to organize a voter registration table at the Broadway flea market at one event and I said hey let's team up and she is the reason that belt the vote was so successful and, and she engage the community and she works with the, the stage union and so and we're already talking about how we can can keep getting prepared for 2020 and it sounds like you leverage your experience of doing everything yourself to say sometimes the more effective way is to bring in the experts or the partners who can amplify what you're doing absolutely I didn't have, I wasn't afraid to uh, we, we made a, an initial video uh, with both Broadway actors talking about Belt the Vote and voter registration, and I was like, I'm not going to be in it. I don't want to be in it. And it wasn't, it was mostly because I knew if I was in it that the ownership of it had to be the entire community. Right. And because I was the one doing all the emails, that was enough yeah. of me within the community. What I wanted was for other people to carry the banner and to take take ownership of it and feel like it was it was theirs and no one should know where it was started right. or care and I, I think that was really successful and it was definitely 
it was so important just to reach out to to define roles right off the bat have a, a goal that was attainable and also just to be easy on yourself you know this isn't this isn't your job this isn't this is everything you do is positive everything every bit of work you do on it even when it fails is positive because you're trying you know and I think it's different you know obviously when you step into something where you're taking money in and getting paid it changes the you know your ex expectation of yourself so that's why I don't get paid for this stuff. Right. So, 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 so I can fail so, miserably. So, so you're behind the scenes pulling strings. You're becoming the godfather of the Broadway community in terms of activating them, engaging them. So you're, you said you're mentioning that you're planning for 2020, some some activation there. Long term. I mean, you're also. I also know that you're you're busy working here in LA. Right. You got some stuff coming out soon. Yes. Um, what? How do you? Does this sustain? Is this? You never give this up in the next 50 years? I can't quit it. That's the problem. You know, like, it's not, to be honest, you know, I would have days where I'd be like, I'm never doing this stuff again. You know, it's a terrible day where sometimes I, I, my, the hardest days I had weren't with people who disagreed with me. They're the people who agree with you completely and are telling you you're doing it all wrong and you're doing it for free out of the passion in your heart. And you want to say, well, then you do it. Why are you yelling at me that this is wrong? I'm just trying my best. And so on those days, you think, this isn't worth it, yeah. you know? But the truth is, is that we're all running the same race. You know, even with the people that you completely disagree with, we're all trying to make humanity better. I mean, no one thinks they're the villain. So <laughs> everyone thinks they're, you know, like everyone's working towards that goal. And there are just different times where it's your turn to run that leg of the race. You have to, when the baton is passed to you, you have to run with it. And there are times where it's not your turn. Right. I had to, we, we, I'm so glad that we took that time before the election last year to register voters because on November 4th, 10 years to the day that Barack Obama was elected, we got a call saying there was a baby and we had to come pick him up because he was our son. And it was two days before the midterm elections. So it was really funny. I laugh about it because, you know, I'm on social media and calling people and being like, November 6th, we have to go vote, you know, register. And I ghosted two days before. <laughs> like, they were like, wow, yeah. you really, did he vote? You know, like, where, where did he go? Luckily, I'd voted, you know, early. But I had life come into the picture. And it's funny because I look at how passionately I was throwing all of myself into voter registration up until November 4th. And, and I had videos and, and things I was making and, and all my emails. And then November 4th on, it's just my baby. And um, I'm so glad that I can tell him that I was working so hard for, for change. But it's now it's not my leg of the race right now. So I've, I've been approached by different people already about voter registration stuff, which it's insane. It's insane. I don't know what I'm doing. I didn't know. I certainly didn't know a lot more. But the fact that like people would approach me about how to run a voter registration drive, what do you, what do you mean? I, I literally, I, I know now, yes, but it's just funny how people wait to 
think they have to know how to do something perfectly before they start. Just start. Well, I was going to ask. I mean, are people now turning? Are people? Is there pressure from your community? Do, are you? Are you? Not self-appointed, but are other people like, well, whatever Rory is going to have us do next is what we'll do. You know, I, I think that especially after the 2016 election, we were actually, I was called into meetings. And I was asked, along with my other colleagues from Broadway Impact, like, what is Broadway Impact going to do? And what are you going to do about who was just elected president? And, you know... I, uh, one, I didn't know what to do. The day, the, you know, I was like, we, we missed the, the chance to do something that, you know, we had to get more people to vote. That was what we needed to do. And obviously there's a ton of stuff that can be done. I was, I was marching. I was, you know, calling representatives. I was doing everything I could do, for sure. There's tons to do. I shouldn't say there's nothing. There's tons to do, but I kind of thought, why are you calling me in to do something why don't you just do it right. I'm going to show up but you can't that's that's backwards you know we didn't we didn't it was almost like when we were going to those meetings at the, the, the gay organization saying what are you going to do with us realizing no we have to, we're the only ones who understand our community we have to engage them and so we we'd always kept Broadway Impact as kind of like well maybe there'll be some younger whippersnappers who <laughs> want to take on that that banner and they certainly can step into these roles but we have a lot of life stuff going on so we can't maintain it in that way I, I think that um, it really has it's a personal decision you know of when you can stand up and and affect change in that way and I think that you know it's such an honor that anyone would ask me how to do something because I've you know we've just been learning like by trial and error as I've said so I'm sure we'll find ways to engage forever and I think that what we have done is we've talked we, we continue to raise money for Broadway cares it's the difference in our communities we have Broadway cares every fight takes because when the tragedy happens a hurricane uh, uh, fires we don't have to raise the money for that. The money's there. We've been collecting money after shows for Broadway Cares, and they raise millions of dollars every year by asking audience members to to donate after as they leave Broadway theaters. And the money is there. We've done the work. We just need to continually provide to Broadway Cares and find ways to support Broadway Cares so that when I call and say, hey, we need to do a voter registration drive, they say, all right, let's put together a team Let's hear, here's the money for the website. This is all, all ready to go. And, you know, I'm sure there will be many, many opportunities to, to utilize those skills that I've had. And, and there's a reason that I keep going back to the Broadway community. They're just very strong, powerful, and um, passionate. Do we gonna see you on Broadway stage again soon? I hope so. Do you have any connections? I, I, I don't. <laughs> I just. I, I mean, you're here now doing all this film and television, yeah. and it's 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 a different community. I mean, I, I, that's a whole other conversation about the yeah. dynamic of a of the Broadway community you described so perfectly, and the LA community, and not just the sprawl, it's just that there's so many people and so desperate. Like, I yeah. mean, they're, they're all over doing all spread out. Yeah, yeah, and also the, that the the Broadway community is so accessible. 
for the fans. They, the rest of the show, yeah, they're right in front of you. They're and in the same the room show, as you. Yeah, they're in, you're in the same room. And after the show, you can get a picture with them at the stage door. You know, so there is a connection there that is very different from seeing somebody in a movie because you'll ne- probably ne- you can be a huge fan and never see them in person. So there's a more immediate connection, and so it is different. Um, I. I feel like there's a lot of there there's a lot more value though to the far reach of of Hollywood right that you know the the community that they can create you know and, and once again George Clooney doing our show 8 has a much bigger reach right. that Google would not be live streaming that with just Broadway stars right so the power of this community and the the way that they are able to engage is it's awe-inspiring you know so i'm not going to be able to do what george does but i do feel that there is there has to be a, a, a a social leadership in this community because this power is so strong well, you've got my vote to be the leader. So. <laughs> well, we, we all can be. You know, like, I, I just shot a pilot. I worked with a cast, did an NBC pilot, and, you know, when it was so much fun. I hope we get to do it again. But I might. But the way that things work, is I may never see them again, you know. I may never get to work with that group of people again. We worked together for a month, and that's it's over. There was an actress in it, uh, Haley Magnus, and she said... Hey, you guys, when we come to set, can everyone bring their own water bottles so that we don't use the plastic ones? And I thought, oh, yeah, absolutely. That's a, you know, that's important to remember. You know, of course, I'm always trying to remember to bring my water bottle, but she had the social leadership and and wherewithal to say, I'm just going to say it out loud. <laughs> it'll help it'll help people remember. And of course, you know, some of us did, some of us didn't. But if you have if you make that you know, voice your your concern and say something, and it's once again within your group, your your coworkers, your smaller community. They're much more inclined. You know, I brought my Tupperware to, to eat in and a silverware that you know, so that when we were eating lunch, I was like, oh, you know, I'm gonna just wash this and I won't, you know, waste anything. And I think that it's important to to do that in whatever community you're in is to not not you don't have to start an organization to be a leader. You just have to voice what's right. Thank you so much, Rory, for this incredible conversation, the story that you've experienced in the last decade. I'm looking forward to what the next decade holds, uh, and for your son, what a what a role model. Uh, oh, and hopefully, you know, we our, our our kids can look at what you're doing and, and be inspired to take their role when the baton is passed. Yeah. So um, I have lightning round questions. Okay. Just for a couple minutes, if you can pass, you can pass. Okay. Just one word, whatever first comes to mind. And I know the answer to this already. who's a leader that has influenced you in your work well I mean um, on a a personal level Tom Biola at Broadway Cares Equity Fight States yeah what play has changed the way you think about your work in community Hamilton it's it's changed what I thought was possible when I saw Hamilton the first time I thought oh this play is for me and that's why I love it and then I realized everyone can find something in this play and that you if you can find a piece of art that can communicate to everyone on a different level then you've found a great piece of art and communication 
We talked a lot about partners, working with people. What's the best quality in a partner to achieve good collaboration? Uh, patience. What's a community activation tactic that you had to learn the hard way? Oh, um, a tactic that I had to learn the hard way is listening. That I had to hear people out. Yeah, tell me. What's the key to telling an engaging, impactful story? Honesty. What advice would you give 25-year-old you? <sighs> Chill out. <laughs> what's, what's the best career decision you ever made? Not solely focusing on my career and, and being open to other challenges like activism and, and be more concerned about family and friends. So far, what has been your proudest moment as a community activator? Um, I would say the proudest moment I had was being on, on stage with my uh, fellow co-founders of Broadway Impact, Gavin Creel and Jenny Canellis, when we held that rally that the mayor and the governor came to speak at because I had, we had no idea what we were doing. And ten in ten days, we organized something that, like I said, it changed our DNA. It changed our understanding of what's possible, and I think it's affected me as a human being in, in, in every way. What actor are you aware of that's doing great work in the community? Well, obviously, my obvious answer is Lin Manuel Miranda. That, you know, he he has a way of being so impactful on on so many different things with such joy and enthusiasm that's contagious to our community i always say the reason that hamilton is so successful is not just because it's brilliant which it is but because lynn made it everyone's play he was like look at this fun thing we're all doing together not this is my brilliant thing that i'm going to keep to myself it was a celebration of our country and our heritage and 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 you know it it's what he does when he wants to help the hurricane uh, victims in in Puerto Rico uh, he can make an album and and bring awareness to it in in that way he is it's just an incredible thing to see somebody who has that power in our community use it so well so efficiently and with such joy and an abundance of energy that i don't have awesome well thanks rory we appreciate it thank you thanks for listening to community intelligence and for more information on this and other episodes visit our website at stratoscope.com at stratoscope we provide community intelligence services to businesses nonprofits, and government agencies let us know how we can help you